Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and yours on an absolutely beautiful, gorgeous Chamber of Commerce Day this Thursday, excuse me, January 19th, the year 2023. Hope you're having a great day, enjoying some of this beautiful sunshine and some spring-like weather. It is just gorgeous, quite the opposite of what we saw on the hardwood last night as both LSU and the New Orleans Pelicans just um, got hammered. That's all you can say. Got beaten, and um, it really wasn't even close in either front uh, for the most part. So we'll recap that. We'll talk a lot about the NFL as the playoffs, uh, the divisional rounds are upon us. A busy day for you and yours. So as per the norm, we take you through the litany of options that you have for us as my main man, James Mesh, is back in the producer's chair inside the game studio, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in the lovely village of Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can also watch us on television as we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Oh, the game is called basketball. You put the ball in the basket. If you do at a good clip, you have a chance to win. If you don't, you've got no chance. And I've said this from day one this season. For LSU to win games, they've got to shoot it at a very good percentage because this is a team that uh, feels good about itself when it sees the ball going through the bucket. That means they'll do better on the defensive end. They'll do better rebounding the ball. They'll just do everything better. Well, LSU at home started last night's game against Auburn, 16th-ranked Auburn, hitting two of their first 14 shots. That's a scintillating 14%. They went nearly seven minutes without a field goal. Um, Nearly seven minutes. The end result was a 67-49 Auburn win. 49 points scored on your home court. 21 in the first 20 minutes, 28 in the second 20 minutes. LSU shot 29.3%. They made 17 of 58 field goal attempts. And it was far worse from the land of three as the Tigers made four 
of 20 three-point field goal attempts, and even their free throws were unacceptable. 64.7% on 11 makes in 17 attempts. This is not a yeah, look, this is just not a good basketball team. These these players got to college because they could shoot the basketball. So something is amiss. It's all between the ears as Adam Miller went two of 11, one for eight from downtown. After a while, Adam, you just got to say, you know what? The three balls not going down. I got to get to the basket. I got to drive to the hoop. Didn't attempt one free throw. Not one. K.J. Williams attempted one free throw. That's just not being aggressive. That's settling and relying on your outside shot. And then when it's not there, you better get to the rim. Trey Hannibal, the only player to get to the free throw line with regularity, and he made 10 of 12 free throw attempts. So um, you're not going to win many games when you're not shooting the ball well and you don't get to the free throw line. It's just not going to happen. Not going to happen. Auburn out-rebounded LSU by only three. Um, So that wasn't too bad. LSU turned the ball over 11 times. That's certainly workable and doable. Uh, But they just did not shoot it well at all. And the Tigers now, after that loss, have dropped to one and five in the SEC. Coming into town Saturday is a team that's five and one in the SEC and ranked number nine in the country, and that is the Tennessee Volunteers. So it's uh, it was not pretty. And here's head coach Matt McMahon summing up his thoughts right after the ball game. Uh, we'll get right to the game. Give great credit to Auburn. Thought their defense was terrific. Uh, very physical. Uh, obviously, you saw their ability to protect the rim and make it difficult on us to finish plays there in the painted area. You know, they certainly uh, dominated that that part of the game in the paint. Uh, I thought for us, the start of the second half, come in down 11. Uh, we come out, I believe it started 9-2. to two. Uh, I thought we were able to get out and transition some, feed off our defense, did a better job moving without the basketball and converting some of those plays which enabled us to mix some defensive coverages and give ourselves a better chance there. Uh, But then uh, we forced a three, I believe it was 34-30, late in the clock. We had it covered on the box outs. We don't get that rebound. Uh, We we turn it over on on our end that leads to a basket in transition. Now it's six. Uh, We do a poor job executing against the press on a possession. They hit a three, it's nine. And another turnover, now it's back to 11. And so all that, that work to start the half was, was down the drain there. And, and with our uh, lack of ability to score, uh, going back down by double figures was just too much for us to overcome. But great credit to Auburn uh, for their physicality and execution, uh, both ends of the floor. Just can't shoot. Plain and simple. Just couldn't shoot the ball. Meanwhile, Heading west down I-10, 
New Orleans Pelicans first came back after a five-game, 10-day road trip, took on the Miami Heat, and the Pelicans played like they were still on the road, falling behind 36-23 after one. The lead ballooned to 19 at the half, and it just wasn't even close throughout. Miami had seven players in double figures, led by Bam Adebayo with 26, um, Jimmy Butler with 18, Max Strauss, Gabe Vincent, both off the bench with 16 apiece, Tyler Hero with 14, seven in double figures. Uh, this game wasn't even close from the get-go, and now the Pels um, have dropped to 26 and 19, 26 and 19. So they are going in the wrong direction quickly, and they've got to write this thing. They've got to go on the road to take on the Orlando Magic, and then they've got to take on the Miami Heat again. So now the Pels, thanks to Sacramento beating the Lakers last night, uh, the Kings are a few percentage points ahead of the Pels as they've dropped now to fourth in the Western Conference. Still a two-and-a-half game lead over the Dallas Mavericks, who are in fifth. But um, Denver keeps winning eight in a row. Memphis keeps winning 11 in a row. They got a tip in from Stephen Adams at the buzzer to win their 11th straight. Sacramento has won five straight. The Pels have lost seven of their last 10, including two in a row. Again, can't measure anything until you get your whole troops back, if and when that ever happens. But here's Willie Green after the ball game give uh, miami a ton of credit they played an excellent o overall game they came in and kicked our butts on our home floor it, all of that starts with me I, I have to have our team prepared to play and that's what i told our guys we wasn't we we, we were not uh, ready to play tonight and um i get it long road trip first game home all of that stuff but we, we can't use that as an excuse and use it for an excuse. So um, there you go. Uh, word out of the New Orleans Saints is that the uh, Saints plan on retaining offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael for the 2023 season. Now that may stun a whole lot of people um, for whatever reason. That's what the Saints have decided to do. Um Saints insider Mike Triplett reports that the team does not plan to fire or replace offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael Jr. now that the season is over. Per the report, the only staffing change the team is making as of now is run game coordinator and tight ends coach Dan Roshar. Carmichael's been the Saints offensive coordinator since 2009 and is one of the few staff members remaining from the initial hire of Sean Payton back in 2006. But in his first year without Payton, Carmichael's offense was basically not that good, finishing with 330 total points, their fewest since before Payton was hired back in 2005 um so that's the latest news from the new orleans saints meanwhile the new the tampa bay bucks have fired offensive coordinator byron leftwich and the baltimore ravens 
offensive coordinator, um, Mr. Roman, right, uh, has resigned. Greg Roman has resigned um, for stepping down amid the fan outrage and player frustration. Roman had one year remaining on his deal, which was believed to be a team option. Uh, Quote, Greg Roman, after visiting with Coach Harbaugh and after huddling with my family, I've decided that now is the right time to move on from the Ravens so that I can explore new challenges and opportunities. I'll truly miss Baltimore, but at the same time, I'm excited to attack my next opportunity with focus and with passion. So um, are you surprised by Pete Carmichael? That just shows me that He and Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis, very loyal to one another. Um, Sometimes loyalty will get get you fired, but it is what it is. So no changes from the coordinator's standpoint for the New Orleans Saints. Still waiting to see if and when anything comes down the pipeline of a Sean Payton decision, which will dictate so much, so much, as to what the Saints are able to do and not what they're able to do. The NFL announced today five teams will play home games abroad in this upcoming NFL season. The Buffalo Bills, Tennessee Titans, Jacksonville Jaguars, Kansas City Chiefs, and New England Patriots will each host international games in the NFL's 2023 regular season. The Chiefs and Patriots will host games in Germany. The Bills, Titans, and Jaguars will play in London. Um, the Jaguars will host a game at Wembley stadium. So these, uh, these were announced today. There'll be no international game in Mexico due to renovations taking place at, uh, in Estadio Azteca in Mexico city. So, uh, the NFL trying to expand and broaden their base. So there you have just some of the headlines of the day. And, um, yeah, some of the headlines. No, Pete Carmichael sticking around. I'll share some thoughts on that and much, much more uh, when we return here to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Stay with us. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 20 minutes after the hour, tune in tonight as the undefeated LSU women's basketball team takes on Arkansas in the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. Pre-game begins at 7.30. Tip is set for 8. You can listen to all the action right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Kind of trying to keep the beat going on. Um, will it be facing Arkansas for the second time this season? Angel Reese will be looking to tie Sylvia Fowles' record of 19 consecutive double doubles. Um, Kim Mulkey's Tigers defeated Arkansas saw 69-45 in Fayetteville back on December 29th for their SEC opener. Uh, But that's the only game the Razorbacks have lost. So a better team coming in tonight, 8 o'clock tip. 
and uh, you can listen to it. If you're not there, you can listen to it here on uh, the game. Uh, with the the news of Pete Carmichael sticking around with the Saints, did you know that the Saints will be the only team in the NFC South to not opt to make a change either at head coach, offensive coordinator, or defensive coordinator? Now, the, the D.C. Um, change could be forced if, the, if one of the two co-defensive coordinators, Nielsen or Richard, are hired away uh, this offseason. So, uh, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, I think that this means by the end of 2023, the Saints hope that continuity will make them better than if they change right now. Either that or there's a lack of willingness to change themselves. One, Either one could lead to a downfall. Um, and we'll be talking about these scenarios throughout the course of the year. And it'll be very interesting now to see what the Saints will do from a quarterback position. Um, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. This, uh, you know, Sean Payton's one of the best in the business when it comes to offense and play calling. And that that's his forte. That's what's made him who he is. And that's why he's coveted by so many teams. Um, it's always hard to follow in those footsteps. It's hard. There was no Drew Brees back there uh, making things happen. There was no Michael Thomas. The, you know, it was a different type of team with a different style of quarterback. So I, I take things with kind of a grain of salt, but there were numerous times where I wondered, what's Alvin Kamara doing out on the field if you don't get him the ball? Um, you know, you, you, you've got to find your playmakers and you've got to utilize and be creative enough to get them in a situation where you can get them the ball and they can do their thing. And too many times I did not see that. So to be honest with you, I'm a little bit surprised at this news today. So, so many times coaches will... Um, tie their fortunes to people that they are loyal to. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. So um, we shall see what happens uh, with the saints. We'll talk to Al Salas here in just a few minutes and get his thoughts uh, on the news today. And then, uh, you know, his thoughts on uh, the saints and, and Sean Payton and, and the like um, that's coming up in just a few minutes. Adam Spencer, Saturday down South will give us the lay of the land in sec basketball, LSU going in one direction, Alabama at the top of the heap, Tennessee close behind Missouri with a big time win, uh, uh, last night over Arkansas and Kentucky, horrible one day, terrific the next. Will the real UK stand up? We'll discuss that with Adam. And then, as always, Frank Schwab will join us from Yahoo Sports. Uh, the Schwab will give us his divisional round picks. And we've got some really, really, really good games. Um, and, and we'll try and dissect it and give you the best uh 
opportunity to maybe, just maybe, uh, make an investment. So the run game coordinator, tight ends coach, is out for the New Orleans Saints. The offensive coordinator is staying pat. Uh, I don't foresee any other changes coming down the pipeline unless one of the coaches is hired off uh, to a different team in a different role. So the Saints are going to dance with what brought them. And I've got to imagine they're believing that uh, players will get healthier and they'll find the right quarterback to run this ship. It's all they can be thinking of. They didn't make a, a, a change just for change sake. And I know that Saints fans are hating this because we all thought he'd be gone. We all thought that Pete Carmichael was going to be the, hey, you got to do something. Um, to save your job, you got to do something right now. And he wasn't that sacrificial lamb. He wasn't. Uh, so Pete Carmichael obviously believes in him. Mickey Loomis obviously believes in him. And so we're going to see. He's been a very loyal employee for a long, long time. And that's kind of the Saints' M.O. It really is. Now, the, the Byron Leftrich situation Remember, uh, the head coach for Tampa Bay got hired late and the staff was already in place. So Todd Bowles didn't really have a chance to pick his coaching staff. Now that they've gone through this season, um, he wants to bring in people uh, that he's more comfortable with, I imagine. Does this have anything to do with the Tom Brady situation. No, I don't think it has anything to do with it at all. At all. I think it's a separate and apart. Uh, but they've had uh, a bunch of people leaving. Their specialist coach, Chris Bonio, wide receiver coach, Kevin Garver, offensive quality control coach, Jeff Castle, assistant defensive line coach, Lori Locust, running back coach, Todd McNair, um, Quarterback coach Clyde Christensen, senior offensive assistant Rick Christopher, and outside linebacker coach Bob Sanders have all decided to retire. Isn't that amazing? Um, so Bruce Arians leaves. Todd Bowles gets hired. They've got the whole staff in place. They just won the Super Bowl. The, the owner and the GM say, look, we got a good thing going. We're going to bring you in here. Um, we're going to move you up, but keep this staff around. And Todd Todd Bowles is saying, no, 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 no. We, we've got to make some changes. I'm not comfortable with this. So uh, we'll see. So Leftwick, one year removed from being one of the hottest head coaching candidates in the NFL. He interviewed with the Jackson Jaguars twice. He interviewed for the Chicago Bears job. And he also interviewed for the New Orleans Saints job last offseason. Um, his ability to relate to players having spent 10 seasons in the NFL as a starting quarterback and a backup, that's what they believe is his greatest asset. I can still remember the play with Byron Leftwich, a quarterback for Marshall University, uh, couldn't, couldn't stand up, couldn't move, couldn't do anything, and was carried down the field by his teammates uh, after completing a long pass, and he stayed in the game and uh, led Marshall to a win. Uh, but now he is looking for a new job, um, a new job, as is Ravens offensive coordinator Greg Roman. So um, times change. 
people change. Owners want instant results. GMs pressured by owners. Owners pressure coaches. Uh, GMs pressure coaches. And you go on from there. So, um, only eight teams still standing. Jacksonville takes on Kansas City. The Giants takes on Philadelphia. Cincy and Buffalo. Dallas at San Francisco. We'll get picks for all those games coming down the pipeline. Absolutely. Uh, now that you scored an Amazon Alexa or Google Home Smart Speaker for Christmas, you can now use it to listen to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. Do the smart thing. Have the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, at your home, and everywhere you go. I'll ask Al Salas his opinion of Pete Carmichael sticking around after this time out here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 104, one Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Welcome back, boys and girls. Let's spend 10 good minutes on the big story of the day. The Saints planning to stick with Pete Carmichael Jr. as its offensive coordinator. Al Salas, timing is everything. One of our Saints analysts. Um, when you first heard the news, first off, Al, thank you so much. I know you're a busy man with other things going on in your everyday life, but we appreciate you taking some time out for us. Um, initial thoughts on the news of uh, Carmichael sticking around. Yeah, no worries, Jordy. Always a time for you guys at the game. But, uh, yeah, obviously the uh, kind of big shocker for the Saints, I think, bringing back Pete Carmichael when, you know, statistically speaking, this is one of the worst offenses the Saints have had since 2005 before Sean Payton got here. Obviously, uh, shocking, I think, is the word to use. And, uh, you know, the report Mike Triple put out was that uh, – there's no other changes made to the staff with the exception of uh, the removal of uh, uh, Dan this morning. So uh, continuity Russell. is something the Saints value very much. We we know this. This is a big thing when they hire Dennis Allen. Uh, you know, so we'll see what happens. But it, it really does seem like you know Dennis Allen, Mickey Loomis are kind of betting on Pete Carmichael to turn it around next year, and for their sakes, uh, that better be the case. In fairness to him, right, uh, there was a lot. You could have pointed a lot of fingers out there as to why the Saints struggled offensively this year. No Michael Thomas for most of the season. Uh, limited options at quarterback definitely didn't help. But, um, you know, a good offensive coordinator changes, adapts, adjusts, figures out who his playmakers are and figures out a way to get those playmakers involved in a scheme that works best for them and works best for the team. And that's the thing that I did not see this year. There were no changes. They were, it, it was kind of vanilla and plain and kind of hitting your head against the wall week after week, it seemed like to me. Right, exactly. And I think, you know, you kind of look at the two of the biggest problems with this offense. Uh, Usage-wise may have been the usage of uh, Alva Kamara and Taysom Hill in particular. Like those, those two guys were probably your biggest playmakers this year, and it seemed like, you know, outside of maybe the Raiders game, the Seattle game, uh, and, uh, you know, <laughs> outside of those two big games, 
Uh, both Kamara and Taysom Hill, you know, had their moments, but relatively speaking, they were kind of quiet most of the season. And I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with the, the play calling, as you mentioned, Jordy. And I think, you know, the quarterback being Andy, Andy Dalton, nothing against Andy Dalton, but when you're a game manager-esque type quarterback and not going to take the risk, uh, your offensive game plan is very bland, like you mentioned, and safe and not really creative whatsoever. And I think ultimately that's what hurt this team this year. You know, last year, you know, injuries ruined this offense. Uh, you know, Marquez Callaway was your wide receiver one, and Sean Payton got this club to 9-8 and eight with Trevor Simeon yep. and Taysom Hill playing quarterback last year. And Thank you. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, we, we added a receiver. We had Chris Olave, who we thought, who we now know is a legit wide receiver one and the offense still somehow took two steps backwards from a year ago. That's that's an outstanding point. Um, should the Saints have made a change at offensive coordinator? What do you think? Uh, you know, I, I think I think maybe kind of the problem with this team, you know, in the post-Sean Payton era is, you know, you, you can sit there and, you know, you can have all these ingredients. You know, you can have, you know, the pasta, the meat sauce, the, the the seasonings, but at the end of the day, if you don't have, you know, I'm sorry, if you don't if you don't have you know shells or layers, you don't have a lasagna. You have a bunch of ingredients sitting there. And I think Sean Bade was kind of that. Sorry, we're hungry. By the way, George, you had to notice, but I think you know Peyton was the, the the pasta and the shells and the layers that held all those things together and made it work. Now he's gone. You have a big old mess in the pot. And the Saints still think they could put this together and make something out of it, but that just isn't the case. Al Salas with us. Um, so much for the Saints' future dependent upon what happens with Sean Payton. Uh, what, what's your best guess as to what Payton does? You know, I think it's really inter- interesting, Georgia. I think, you know, obviously, uh, I think maybe the biggest surprise might be I think Sean Payton has genuinely enjoyed his time at Fox this year, and I think that might make it a little more challenging for him to want to leave the studio this year, because I think, and I think everybody kind of thought when the Chargers collapsed on uh, Saturday night in the playoffs, I think everybody instantly thought that the page would be the yeah. fit for the Chargers, and I think Payne thought that as well, but they decided to stay with Brandon Staley. Um, you know, obviously Denver is very attractive. I believe uh, Coward, Colin Coward came out today with a report that Russell Wilson has reached out to Sean Payne personally. Uh, to throw his pitch to come to Denver. So, uh, and as we know, the the, the Walden uh, ownership group in Denver they are going to be very aggressive trying to build the winner now because they gave up so much for Russell Wilson and that team is ready to win. So you could look at them maybe swinging big. Uh, Carolina is interesting just because you know you know in division rivals yes, but at the same time you basically double the price for the Panthers because they are in your division. So that reward could be sweeter with a team like the Panthers. Um, The Texans, you know, Cardinals, interesting as well. I think Arizona might be a dark horse when it's all said and done because they might give Peyton control of that team. But I would have to say Denver right now with the quarterback, with that roster, and the ownership group willing to give the Saints what they want might be the league candidate right now. Yeah, you got to battle that and the fact that uh, maybe it's not the team that uh, Peyton wants, nor the quarterback that he wants. Maybe, maybe it is the Chargers, and maybe he's just waiting to see if this uh, this coach uh, will will do it 
to himself um, and, and wait another year. So, but uh, so much depended on that, right? Because the Saints don't have draft pick. They're counting on a draft pick to get in the chase for a quarterback in a big time way. Um, in the meantime, you, don't don't you keep Andy Dalton just in case? Well, I think it's a fair question. You know, I think. You know, all things considered, I, I do believe Jameis Winston's time in New Orleans might be up. I think the moment Winston went on uh, New Orleans Football.com's podcast with Underhill and Triplett and kind of openly bashed the Saints about how they promised him his starting job when he was healthy, and, you know, obviously that didn't happen. I, I kind of think that bridge is burned. I think you look at Dalton. Dalton's a very nice backup, and I just feel like if you are the Saints, you have to have a stable plan in place. You can't go out there with Danny Dalton again for 17 weeks and expect fans to, A, be invested and interested in this team, and B, you know, I know the NFC is kind of in shambles right now, the NFC South in particular, but you can't sit there and expect Andy Dalton to get you to 10-plus wins and, you know, get you in the playoffs. But he's a great, he's a great backup. I wouldn't mind him in that sense. Exactly. I'm with you. Um, four games coming up with a divisional round uh, starts Saturday. Jacksonville at Kansas City. Is this the most lopsided game of the four, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I mean, for sure. I think, obviously, you know, I think everybody questioned the Chiefs uh, and Pat Mahomes in the offseason when they, you know, traded away Tyreek Hill. But then you go look at the numbers, Pat Mahomes is still having, arguably, arguably he had one of his most efficient and best seasons of his young career without Tyreek Hill and, you know, the Jaguars, you know, as great as the year has been for them to go to Arrowhead and have to play the Chiefs, uh, you know, the defense with the Jags is leaky, you know, it's still a young and growing defense. Uh, right. that, that probably is to me the most lopsided uh, game. The Giants at Philadelphia, how effective is Jalen Hurts? They say he's doing well, but you know they're going to – the Giants are coming after him. They're going to hit him. They're going to test that shoulder, and every time they tackle him, they're going to pound their bodies into him. Uh, so you never know what's going to happen. The Giants went into Minnesota and, and won that game. They, their quarterback is pretty darn good. Their running back is pretty darn good. Um, what do you think of the Giants at Philly? Yeah, I mean, I think that game – I think going into the postseason, I think if people had said this could have been the matchup, I think people would have said this game probably is the most lopsided game. But, I mean, look at the Giants. When they played earlier this year, the Giants did not have Leonard Williams. They did not have uh, Xavier McKinley, the safety from Alabama. They were missing several key guys on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Jalen Hurts is playing banged up. I know Sirianni has told us time and time again that he is, you know, as healthy as he's ever been. The weeks of rest help, but at the end of the day, we're just not going to know until he goes out there and plays. Um, right. Look, man, Brian DeBall, no matter what happens, I think he's your coach of the year. He took a roster that Joe Judge had that was picking on top five that was horrible and made them a legit playoff contender. You know, coaching <laughs> coaching matters, right? I think we can agree. Yeah. Coaching matters. Um, I like the Giants in an upset in this game. I really do. Okay, I like it. Uh, Cincinnati at Buffalo. This game uh, has now gone from four to five and a half in favor of the Bills. Two great quarterbacks. Who do you like? I like the Bengals in this game, Jordy. I think I, obviously for, for, for the right reasons, we did not see these two teams play a few weeks ago Monday night. And I think the Bengals maybe, you know, in the back of their mind, you know, afterward, I think maybe they felt they'd get the chance on national television to showcase they are that team in the AFC and maybe feel a little robbed because of that. They were by default won the division and then had to have potentially had the coin toss. And they, I feel like the Bengals maybe 
think they weren't taken that seriously because, you know, of everything that happened. Again, for the right reasons. But I think Cincinnati might be the most complete team in the AFC. You know, offensively, we know what they are. But defensively, Sam Hubbard, Trey Henderson, they get DJ Reader back on the interior uh, part of the line. Logan Wilson, former St. Von Bell. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good defense. And Josh Allen has been very turnover-friendly in these last few weeks. And, you know, had Miami had Tua last week, I think in that same exact game, I think Miami beats Buffalo with some of those turnovers. Okay. All right. Well, can they protect uh, Joe Burrow? That's the question. Finally, Dallas at San Francisco. A little bit surprising to me. The Niners are only favored by four. But here comes that star. Um, what do you think, real quick, Niners hosting the Cowboys? I'll just say this, Jordy. I think – if everything goes right for the Dallas Cowboys, the defense is clicking, Dak Prescott is comfortable and, and making the yeah. right reads, Dallas, to me, is a scary team in the playoffs in all seriousness. Yeah. The Dallas could be the team this year to go all the way if everything goes right for that team. We'll see. Uh, they have been prone to not have everything go right for them, but we, we <laughs> shall see. We shall see. All right, Al, uh, timing is everything. Thanks for the timing today. Pete Carmichael sticking around as offensive coordinator. Enjoy the divisional round, man. I thank you so much. Hey, right back at you, Jordy and James. Y'all have a good one, and it's always a pleasure to be on. All right, James getting the plug. I like that. See? Very good. Uh, we'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back with more here on the Jordy Helper Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the World Series champion Astros. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. We are back. It's the Mardi Gras season, as we all know, and that means that we've got a winning crew with the Louisiana Lottery, with Mardi Gras Mambo and Masquerade Money and all kind of things always going on there. And we are thrilled to bring in our good friend, the Director of Communications for the Louisiana Lottery, the lovely Miss Kimberly Chopin. Kimberly, good afternoon. How Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year to you, too, Jordy. Wow, we're already halfway through January, huh? This year's flying by already to me. I know. We still got some second chance drawings for the Saints coming up. We've got the Mardi Gras game. What's 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 happening? There's always something happening at the lottery. There is, and you know, because there's always something happening in Louisiana. What a great state to live in, and Mardi Gras is one big reason why. And just like you said earlier, we've got two Mardi Gras-themed games out there right now, and they are super popular with players. Um, We have the $1 game Mambo Mambo. That's got a top prize of $2,000. And then we have another one called Masquerade Money that has a top prize of $12,000. That's got four different scenes with um, masks on them. It really is a lot of fun. And so just to spice things up even a little bit more, we're going to be running a promotion on our Facebook page uh, starting tomorrow and running it for a week. All you have to do to participate, no purchase necessary, just go on our promotional post that will be pinned to the top of our page, tag three of your friends who you think are in your winning crew, and we're going to randomly draw five winners and we're going to send you enough free scratch-offs and fun Mardi Gras party stuff 
to share with you and your crew. So we always like just doing a little something extra and fun for our friends in social media and who visit our website. So definitely go and check that out. Just just to show you people out there, um, numbers are in from the Lottery Corporation for the month of December of 2022. Scratch-off players claimed over $19 million in cash prizes. So how about that? This is no charge. You get some scratch-offs. Welcome, right? Yeah, that's right. And there's, like you said earlier, there's always something extra going on. And, and you're right. Our final Saints second chance drawing is going to be happening in February. In fact, we just declared our deadline for getting in those non-winning tickets into that drawing, and that's February 27th. So you still have some time. Um, And what's going to be given away in that drawing is pretty much our, um, well, 27 autographed uh, official autographed merchandise prizes. So that could be footballs, jerseys, helmets. And then in addition to that, we'll be doing the season ticket prize package, which is basically four sets of really nice tickets to every home game next season. You get to have lunch in the team cafeteria, tour the Saints practice facility, actually watch the Saints practice this summer from um, Miss Benson's balcony there. It's just a really nice, if you're a Saints fan, I mean, there's nothing like that. So, And you get pregame field passes to every one of those games to watch the players warm up, like on the field. So great prize package. Um, All you have to do is send in $10 worth of non-winning tickets from our two Saints scratch-off games or our Saints fast play games. So a lot of opportunities there if you're playing the Saints games uh, to send in those non-winning tickets. All kind of good things going on. I want somebody to listen to me out there because, hey, you've got till January 26th. Somebody has a $50,000 unclaimed Powerball prize. What are you waiting on? Kimberly, what are they waiting on? I know. On? You saw that? I know. Yes. You know, every time we have, especially when we have these big jackpots, like huge, like in the billion dollars. And we just had one for like Powerball and Mega Millions. Just within the last six months, I find that we have a lot of people who play the games, maybe for the first time because they're trying it out because of the big jackpot and all the, you know, the hype around it. And they don't realize that just because you don't match all six of those numbers and don't win the jackpot prize, that doesn't mean you didn't win something. So in this case, somebody matched four of the white ball numbers plus the red Powerball number. Okay, so they have won $50,000. This is a ticket that was sold in Sanama at Fisherman's One Stop on Highway 22 in Sanama. It was purchased for the uh, July 30th drawing, okay, so earlier this summer. But it expires on January 26th, so the clock is ticking. Um, And we really appreciate people like you getting the news out, you know. That's how people hear about it. Just one week away, uh, January 26th, somebody's got $50,000 in their pocket. All they got to do is turn it in. So don't sleep on it. Uh, Read the instructions and understand what the game is all about. You got new games all over the place. I love the the design of the Mardi Gras games. I mean, it's just, it's so cool. You got some, you guys are really good at that stuff. Not only do you scratch it off, but people need to look at them because the artwork is fantastic. They're fun. They really are. I agree with you on that one. I, you know, I get to travel sometimes and see um, scratch-off games in other states. And, I, I mean, of course I'm biased. But I really feel like ours capture what it feels like to live in Louisiana. And we do have yeah. great designers and artists here for sure. 
Well, you are the director of communications and you communicate well. Um, thanks for sharing a little bit of time with us. Keep up the great work and laissez les bon temps relay, as we say. Let the good times roll. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It was so good to visit with you, Jordy. Kimberly Chopin, you're the best, the director of communications for the Louisiana Lottery. And I, I always say, if if you don't play, you can't win. So play and win. That's the fun part of it. Uh, you can tune in tonight from 6 to 7 for a special edition of the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Maplewood Burgers, Line of Bed out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzola will be talking with McNeese softball coach James Landrino. So tune in tonight starting at six for the McNeese coaches show right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station again the big stories Pete Carmichael sticking around as offensive coordinator for the Saints LSU took it on the chin against Auburn the Pels never in it against the Miami Heat all these stories will recap again plus the Schwab will join us in hour number two for his Weekly NFL picks. This time, we're trying to get to the final four of the NFL. So uh, stick around for all of that. If you need help with your lady for Valentine's Day, the help you need can be found inside the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member, you'll have the opportunity to score prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville, $40 to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard. How about a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort? You can get these prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Hour number two after this. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two and away we go. News coming out of Oxford, Mississippi. Walker Howard, of course, the redshirt freshman from St. Thomas Moore and LSU has hit the transfer portal and uh, he is in Oxford, Mississippi trying to compete with Jackson Dart, the incumbent. Well, guess what? Today, Oklahoma State transfer Spencer Sanders announced that he too is transferring to Ole Miss. Now we got a party going on in Oxford, a veteran starter and a dual threat. Sanders logged more than 11,000 yards of career total offense. Um, But his career stalled with the Cowboys. 2022 was his poorest season. And now he's heading to Oxford to see if Lane Kiffin can work some magic with him. So um, Walker Howard left a quarterback room that was pretty crowded. It looks like he's going into another quarterback room. They just got a little bit more crowded. Welcome to the real world. Welcome to competition. What is the competition in Southeastern Conference basketball this year? Wow, there seems to be Alabama and then 
A little slightly below them is Tennessee. Then after that, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, but the man that knows joins us next here as we kick off our number two, and that's Adam Spencer of Saturday Down South. Adam, thanks for the time, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Jordy? I'm good. You must have been. You must not have fallen asleep last night after you saw your your beloved Mizzou Tigers rally and uh, uh, in a very good game beat Arkansas at home last night in Columbia. That was a that was a high level, really good basketball game from what I saw. Yeah, uh, it was it was really fun to see, and uh, you know, obviously, it was great to come out on the on the winning side of, of that, especially against Arkansas. But yeah, I mean, this is just such a good Mizzou team in Columbia. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're three and O in SEC play at home and zero uh, and three on the road. Um, so, you know, I, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been a bit difficult to figure them out, but uh, you know, last night they won the turnover battle and they won the foul battle. So when they can do that, even, even though they got crushed on the board, you know, when they can, uh, when they can, take care of the ball and uh and not give away too many free points uh they're they're pretty dangerous that's a that's one of the better missouri teams i've seen in a while and i think once they get out if they can just maintain the status quo and keep on knocking up wins i think that's a team when you get out of conference play and get into the ncaa tournament that's a dangerous club um alabama uh, obviously dealing with some very serious issues off the court but on the court Man, they're six and zero. Uh, Brandon Miller is is sensational. They play defense. Uh, they're the best team in the league as long as they protect the ball. Alabama. I don't know who beats them. Yeah, I mean they 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 were a little bit sloppy at Vanderbilt, uh, but that's that's always been a tough place for them to play. You know, there, there's some there's some uh, some weird stuff that sometimes happens at Vanderbilt. Um, but yeah, I mean. Uh, when Brandon Miller is putting up thirty and ten, then uh, they're they're going to win a lot of games. Uh, yeah, so he's he's just been incredible to watch. You know, people are talking about him as a top ten draft pick. I, I think that's too low. I think he's a top five pick, maybe even a top four pick at this point. Like he's just like what what more do you want in today's NBA? He's a tall guy right. who can shoot the three at a high percentage. He's a great free throw shooter. He can hit the boards. He can create his own shot. Like he's not a slouch with the ball in his hands. Like this is a great, great player that we're watching. And uh, you know, Alabama fans get to see him for the rest of this season. And then uh, I just hope that they enjoy what they have here because yeah. I mean, you know, he's he's just he's special. Yeah, he's uh, he's gone after this. Um, Adam Spencer, Saturday Down South with us. Um, Kentucky, uh, we've talked about this before. They lose a home game to a bad South Carolina team. Then the very next outing, they go into Knoxville and beat a previously undefeated in league play Tennessee team. Then after that, they're at home, and here comes Georgia, and Georgia is scoring like crazy in the first half. Kentucky trails by eight. And then they blow Georgia away in the second half, thanks to Oscar Shibwe, who ended up with a, a gaudy night of 37 points and 24 rebounds. What is Kentucky? Well, you know, I, I've been critical of uh, I've been critical of John Calipari all year um, because of his insistence on relying on Severe Wheeler to run the point. You know, he can run the point early in the game, but when it's crunch time and when you need to win, they've got to have the ball in case on Wallace's hands. You know, they made this mistake last year, not trusting the ball to Ty Ty Washington more. 
and keeping it in a, in a couple years ago, Ashton Hagens, you know, he, he wasn't a guy who could really create his own shot, but they had him with the ball in his hands way too much when uh, they also had Tyrese Maxey on the court, you know, so, so it does look like, uh, it does look like Calipari is at least learning from past mistakes because that, that lineup of Cason Wallace, Antonio Reeves, CJ Frederick, Jacob Toppin and Oscar Shibwe, that's a dangerous lineup. And I know that Frederick and Reeves only combined to go, you know, two for 10 from three point range, but they space the floor. They make you honor that. That gives, that gives Shibwe room to work. That, 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 you know, that when, when Wheeler gets into the lane, it's not the same. He's, he's not the finisher at the rim that Wallace is. So, you know, you have to have Wallace running that position. So, you know, I, I just think that Calipari may have figured out this lineup thing. And if that, I, that group of five, if they continue to be the ones that receive the most minutes together, then uh, Kentucky can really make a make a move here in the in the standings and get back into uh, tournament contention. How about Texas A and M? Uh, they've won seven in a row. They're five and zero in conference play. They they beat Florida by by a couple. Buzz Williams' team uh, could have made the NCAA tournament a year ago they kind of got backdoored out of it but um man they for for lofty expectations they had some bad losses in non-conference play but now five and oh what about the aggies yeah i uh i, I think that uh you know th- that was a big win for them last night i mean just the the defense was playing really well obviously you know the 12 points in the first half for florida that's just that's embarrassing um, yeah. <laughs> there's no two ways around that. That was just an embarrassing offensive output, but it was not by any means a good offensive night for the, the Aggies. And they managed to, they managed to win, you know, this, uh, this Dennis guy, you know, he's, he's been really fun to watch, putting up 16 rebounds. That's an Oscar Shibway esque performance, um, yeah. you know, for, for a guard too. Um, so, you know, I, I just, I like, you know, when Wade Taylor is, 0 for 5 from 3 and 2 for 15 from the floor and they find a way to win, you know, that's that's the sign of a well-coached team that just never really uh, gave up on itself. You know, Henry Coleman got two quick fouls and then he picked up his third really early in the second half. So he was a non-factor and they still managed to, to pull off a win over a, a Florida team that uh, prior to uh, last night's game had really shown that it was starting to turn things around a little bit. We all know LSU, um, after opening up the conference with a win over Arkansas, um, which seems to be a lot less of value now, what, what we've seen what has happened to uh, Eric Musselman's club. They're one in five in the play. LSU can't shoot. They can't throw it in the ocean. We've got scores. I mean, they can't even get to 50 points, Adam. It's just, it's awful. Yeah, they, uh, you know, I, I've just been disappointed in Adam Miller lately, but this is kind of the way that he's played. You know, when he was at Illinois a couple of years ago as a yeah. fresh, as a true freshman, he would have nights when he would just look like a superstar and carry the offense, and he could carry the offense for two or three games in a row, but then he'd also disappear for like five games. Uh, so it, it looks like that consistency is still an issue there. Um, and they really need him to be a third scorer. You know, they, they need him to be lighting it up from, from three point range. They, they can't have him going one for eight from, from deep. So, you know, he's, he's yeah. the key to this team moving forward because, you know, KJ Williams is drawing more and more attention. Trey Hannibal has turned into a nice player, but uh, if they don't have, uh, if they don't have Adam Miller going, then, uh, then they're going to continue to struggle uh, just, 
you know, they're going to continue to struggle to get uh, open looks for other guys from three point range. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be tough to get their offense going because, you know, Miller's supposed to provide that floor spacing and nobody's really, uh, nobody's really too worried about him during this uh, rough stretch that he's going through right now. Yeah, they've got uh, Tennessee coming into Baton Rouge on Saturday. Ouch. And then uh, we just saw what happened to Arkansas, losing a tough one to Mizzou. Um, LSU's got to go to Arkansas on Tuesday. And uh, Arkansas is going to – both teams need a win. But, man, Arkansas at home, it doesn't look it, it doesn't look like it's going to get any time better soon for LSU with how they maneuver through this um, and keep a fan base interested is the biggest question mark to me. Yeah, and, I mean, I think that they can go on a, on a little run um, – when the schedule lightens up a little bit on the back half. So, I mean, you know, they can fall to one in six or one in seven in league play. And then, you know, they still have a real shot to at least finish just, you know, they could, they could really battle back and go, you know, seven and seven and 11, or they can, they can get back in this thing. Like they, they, they just had probably the toughest opening half of the, of the SEC <laughs> schedule of anybody. So, you know, to, to win, over Arkansas, yeah, that was a that was a big win, and uh, now they have a chance to go into Fayetteville and do it again. So that would be a huge momentum boost. So you know the the importance of that game can't be understated. Sometimes the coach of the best team doesn't get recognized as the coach of the year. But is Nate Oates the coach of the year right here, right now in the SEC, or is Buzz Williams there? Who is it? Yeah, I mean it, that depends on uh, on how you. Uh, there are three guys that I that I look at for that award right now, and uh, it, it just depends on how you look at um, at the award. Um, do you right. only value SEC play? Because uh, if if that's the case, then it's it's tough to argue against Buzz Williams. Uh, if you value, you know, Alabama was ranked coming into the season, but Nate Oates has gone above and beyond that. So if you value mm-hmm. just the coach of the best team and the one that wins the regular season title. Well, that looks like it's going to be Alabama. So I have no problem putting Nate Oates at number one either. And then if you want a narrative, uh, the depths of, uh, of the misery that uh, Georgia was last year, Mike White yeah. has turned them into a competent basketball team, just taking yeah. them from a historic low to uh, even a middle of the road SEC team has just been such a good job by him. So you know, if you want the narrative angle and just uh, the turnaround story, then uh, Mike White, I, I wouldn't blame you if you put him atop your list, too. So those are the three guys that, that you know, either whoever you want to vote for out of that trio, I, I would have no problem with right now. And then it's just going to be about who finishes the strongest. Uh, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, for sure, right here, right now, would be in the NCAA tournament. Who else is in it? And what's realistic for this conference this year? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, as things stand right now, Mizzou's got to be in there. I would, uh, I would okay. put Texas A&M right on the bubble. Um, Auburn's got to be in there, obviously. Um, and then, you know, I, I think that Kentucky, if they continue to, you know, claw their way back from some early struggles and continue to compete against good teams, then uh, I, I think that they're they're a, a tournament team too. Um, and and I'm not counting I'm not counting out Arkansas yet either. You know, they're they started out. Low last year um, in SEC play, I think they were one and three, uh, and then they hit hit the button. They haven't hit that button yet this year, but uh, you know I, I trust Eric Musselman, and I think that uh, he's going to have this squad uh, in the NCAA tournament before all is said and done, too. 
Arkansas really doesn't shoot it well. Is Nick Smith ever going to play for Arkansas again? He's he's their best shooter. Yeah, I mean, that's the key, right? They got to get him back just for all that he does because Ricky Council and Devo Davis are both playing well. Anthony Black is a bit inconsistent. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so, so they can – but if, you know, Anthony Black has more room to maneuver if, uh, if Nick Smith's on the floor knocking down threes and uh, being the dynamic player that he is. So, yeah, I, I hope – I really hope that we haven't seen the last of Nick Smith in an Arkansas uniform. Uh, you know, I would understand if that was the case because, you know, you've got to protect his future earnings in the NBA. But uh, I hope yeah. I hope he's healthy enough to come back uh, for the stretch run here and uh, he just makes Arkansas so much more fun and dangerous. He is Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. Um Women's basketball, LSU plays Arkansas again tonight. The job that Kim Mulkey's done. Uh, we've got two undefeated teams heading for a showdown in February with LSU traveling to South Carolina. That could be number one versus number two or number one versus number three in the country. Uh, Tennessee's undefeated in, in conference play at 6-0. and uh, Women's basketball pretty darn good in this conference, too. Yeah, and you gotta. I mean, to to be the new the new uh, top of the sport, you gotta take down South Carolina. That's no easy task. They're looking yep. really good again. But I mean, man, Kim Mulkey has really done such an incredible job down there, just turning this program around in a hurry. Um, and I, I mean, nobody expected anything less. She's a championship level coach. Uh, she so right. you know nobody nobody was expecting anything different out of her, but. Uh, yeah, just the speed with which she's done this and uh, has them right there already. I mean, that is going to be a really fun game against the Gamecocks. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be some much must-see television. I'm with you. Um, I mentioned before we got to you, uh, the transfer portal in college football and uh, Walker Howard leaves LSU and goes to Ole Miss thinking he's just going to compete with Jackson Dart. Now here comes a guy from Oklahoma State in there. Lane Kiffin pulling no punches, man. I guess competition brings out the best and we'll we'll see what happens. But man, this is a new world. And this NIL deal at Florida, how crazy is that? Yeah, this is... uh... (laughs) This is quite the uh, the week for quarterback movement in the SEC. I think uh, you know it's going to be interesting. I, I still understand Howard's uh, decision because Garrett Nussmeyer, he's going to be the QB for the LSU in 2024, and uh, yeah. I think probably in 2025 as well before he heads to the NFL. So uh, I, I get Howard moving because you know I, I don't think that uh, both Spencer Sanders and Jackson Dart are going to be on the Ole Miss roster in week one. I'd be shocked if that was the case. So, you know, I think after Spencer Sanders uh, arrives, I think that uh, Dart is probably the one that's going to enter the portal here pretty soon, probably, would Mm -hmm. be my guess, uh, if not after spring ball. But uh, then that paves the way for Walker Howard to be the quarterback of the Rebels in 2024, which I think is what he was looking to do, find a place where he can start in 2024. I got you. Makes good sense. That's why we get Adam Spencer, because he always makes good sense Saturday down south. Um, we'll see what this SEC basketball uh, conference is all about. We got uh, A&M at Kentucky this Saturday, so that's a big one. We're going to find out who is and who isn't. Um, and, boy, I just hope they don't I just hope they don't start cannibalizing one another and we can get as many teams into that field of 68 as possible because uh, that makes it fun. Because I think once they get out of conference play, some of these SEC teams will be tough to beat. I really do. Yeah, I think we're going to have 
some really quality teams uh, in the tournament out of the SEC. Um, and I, I think that this is a year when, uh, you know, two or three teams have the talent and the, you know, they, they'll be tested enough to make an elite eight run. So I, I think yeah. that there's that much depth. And then Alabama is obviously a title contender out of this league too. So it, it's an exciting time for sure. No question about it. Adam Spencer. Thank you, buddy. Take care. Enjoy the rest, rest of your week and weekend. Yeah. You too, Jordy. Thanks for having me. You're the best. Uh, Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more still to come. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, with his uh, divisional playoff picks here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back 24 minutes after the hour. There'll be a quick segment here. I want to get to Frank Schwab and um, break down all these divisional playoff games as only he can do. Uh, we're still waiting to see if what, if ever, happens with uh, Will Wade and the LSU basketball program. Meanwhile, uh, the NCAA is uh, hot in pursuit of Michigan and football coach Jim Harbaugh uh, during an attempt to expedite the case and achieve a, quote, negotiated resolution. Jim Harbaugh refused to acknowledge that he lied to NCAA investigators. He's maintained that he doesn't remember the incident in question, which has led to a standstill in the case um an admission that harbaugh had lied likely would have led to him accepting a multiple game suspension as he faces a potential level one ncaa violation the initial investigation into michigan included four level two recruiting violations which are less significant in scope and in punishment level one though more serious and that's a charge for not cooperating with the ncaa enforcement staff does that sound familiar with Will Wade, it sure does to me. So, so we'll see. Um, who knows how long this will take? Who knows whatever will happen with LSU? Again, in my humble opinion, I think LSU's done everything the right way. They disassociated themselves from Will Wade, fired him. They took some uh, little ma- minor steps here and there um, along the way to kind of show and, and gain, gain favor from the NCAA. I still believe Will Wade will become the scapegoat of this whole thing. I think that they will um, I think they will punish him with with everything they've got because again, he didn't cooperate. He just kind of laughed in their face. And I think that's I mean, I think that's what's gonna happen. I may be wrong. I may be totally wrong, but I think if you made me made me predict, I think that's what's going uh to happen. And um, a lot of times these power five schools that mean so much, they just basically get a slap on the wrist because a Michigan is bigger than and an Alabama and an Ohio State. They're just bigger. 
All right. They're just Georgia. They're just bigger than the NCAA and they don't want to punish them and because they're good for the game. They're good for the sport. They generate money and all that stuff. So so we'll see what happens uh, in that case. But we're still waiting, still waiting, still wondering what's happening with uh, uh, LSU and, and and all of that. So stay tuned, uh, but don't hold your breath because. Uh, who knows, right? Who knows? Um, Brian Kelly announced its newest SWAT leaders. SWAT stands for Spring Slash Summer Workout Accountability Team. Workout Accountability Team. Um, Brian Kelly brought that over with him from Notre Dame to instill teamwork and accountability. Um the idea is that you can gain or lose points best on based on how well you conduct yourself socially, academically, and in the weight room. And it's a, it's always a competition. Uh, the ten that Brian Kelly named to lead the team through spring workouts: Josh Williams, Garrett Nussmeyer, Charles Turner, Jay Bramlett, Jaden Daniels, Miles Frazier, Mecky Wingo, Will Campbell. Greg Brooks and Noah Kane. Those are your leaders uh, on the team. So uh, good for them. Good for them. A lot will be expected of this LSU football team. You can't win a championship now, but you can certainly lose one if you're not all on the same page and not all focused. Still waiting to hear where Cardell Thomas, the highly touted offensive lineman in the 2019 class, where he announces he is transferring uh he entered as a grad transfer and has two years of eligibility remaining all right let's take a quick time out frank schwab your picks for the divisional round of the nfl playoffs eight teams left we're trying to get to the final four we'll be back with that after this time out on the jordy helpert show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for the lsu tigers and the world series champion houston astros a recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, favorite uh, segment of... The day and certainly of the week is when we get Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. It's the best weekend of the NFL. The divisional playoffs are here. We've got eight teams left. We're trying to get down to the final four. And and he's stepping up in class. I mean, he went on the Jim Rome show earlier. Now he's back with us. Uh, Frank, thank you, buddy. Come on. How about that? Huh? <laughs> Pretty funny, pretty funny. I, I uh, never been on with Jim before, so that was a that was a good spot. I grew up listening to him, so you know I gave away my picks, but uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully nothing. Uh, hopefully, some of your listeners weren't listening, and Uh-oh, we can we're, we're be good. good to them. We, we are good. We are good. I didn't hear a word of it. Um, so again, we've got uh, four games to talk about, and let's let's start with the two on Saturday. Uh, it's a three thirty Central Time kickoff in Kansas City. The number one seed Chiefs taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. What a come from behind win they had for the ages last weekend. What a blundering move by the Chargers. But anyway. Um, Kansas City eight and a half point favorite in this one. What is the what's the key storyline to this game? You know, I think that it's it, honestly part of it. Uh, a big part of the storyline is Trevor Lawrence and just 
you know, everybody likes to make fun of the Chargers for blowing it, and I get that. I think what we're going to remember from that game is that was a big chapter in Trevor Lawrence's story. I mean, this kid throws four interceptions in the first, what, 20-some minutes of game action? How many young quarterbacks would have just gone in the tank after that? How many quarterbacks would have just not been able to bounce back and throw four touchdowns and lead yep. their team all the way back. I thought it showed a remarkable amount of poise from a young guy who keeps getting better and better. He's a, he's good. He's arrived. I think he's a star already. And if he can go in and, and punch for punch with Mahomes this weekend, I, I think his legend's going to grow a little bit. I'm with you. It was a 27-17 Chiefs win over the Jags in November, but this is a completely different Jaguar team, and that relationship between coach and quarterback is pretty darn good. The Chiefs' defense is not that great. Trevor Lawrence, if he plays well, boy, eight and a half is a lot of points there, Frank. I really like the Jaguars, and I'm not even ruling out them winning. And I know that sounds crazy, but, hey, I I think that Trevor Lawrence can – kind of stay in this game, keep them in this game against, like you said, that defense. And they've won six in a row. They're obviously gaining confidence. The quarterback is special. They can get pressure on the quarterback defensively. And I just, I think that there's some upset potential here. I I just, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I can see a scenario where it's like, oh, wow, there's five minutes left in the game and they got a shot. And uh, I just have a lot of faith in this Jaguars team right now. A lot of, as I've said all week, a lot of 2021 Bengals vibes to me. Uh, Four seed that's really coming on with a young quarterback. And I think they cover easily. And I think they got a shot at the win. When Frank puts his money on the line, straight up, we're not talking about spread. Who wins the game? I, I think, uh, ooh, I think Chiefs. I, I think Chiefs. But <laughs> man, I, I want it on the record that uh, I think the Jaguars yep. have a shot at least. <laughs> that way, I, I cover both of my my bases there, Jordy. <laughs> you are on the record. The nightcap on Saturday. It's a matchup of NFC East teams: the Giants against the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles favored by seven and a half. I know what the storyline for this one is. Uh, just how healthy is Jalen Hurts and? The Giants are going to go after him, and they're going to hit him. And when he gets on the ground, they're going to—they may even sacrifice a rough in the passer penalty uh, just by pounding on that shoulder, just to see how he survives it. Yeah, and you know, I mean, Jalen said earlier in the week, I guess, that he has a bounty on him. He obviously didn't mean that literally, but I think we right. all know what he means. That, like you said, they're—they're they're going to test him. They're going to play physical with him. They want to get a sense of—is this guy healthy? Can we rattle him a little bit? Can we? <laughs> You know, can we put him in a bad spot? So, you look, the Giants love the blitz. They bring it uh, more than pretty much any other team. And I think they're going to do that against Jalen Hurts and just see how he responds. I, I think Jalen's yeah. fine. I think he's going to play well. I think the Eagles are going to play really well. This is a good team. I, I mean, the, the stat that, I mean, it just, it's so obvious, but it's a great stat. They're 14-1 and one this season when Jalen Hurts starts a football game. I mean, they're, wow. they're really, really good. I, yeah. I like the Giants because they're improving. Daniel Jones playing well. I just can't see them keeping this close. I, 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 all respect due to Brian Dayball and what they've done and the progress Daniel Jones has made. But this Eagles team is just on a different plane. I think, I think there's going to be one blowout this weekend, and it's going to be this one. 
Okay, Eagles in a blowout over the Giants. That takes us to Sunday and what many believe, based upon what happened when they tried to play a game a couple of weeks ago and then the DeMar Hamlin situation um, and and the way things have worked out, they're, they're back at it again. Maybe Cincy fans are saying this should have been a coin flip and all that, but it is what it is. They're heading to Buffalo, uh, and this game has moved a little bit. It opened up at uh, – I don't remember when it opened up, but now Buffalo's favored by five and a half in this one. Yeah. Uh, Burrow versus Allen. What, uh, what, what, what do you see in this one? I don't get it, Jordy. I I look at these two teams being equal. If, if, if nothing else, the Bengals might have been a better team over the last two months of the season. Yeah. I, I I don't get why the line is what it is. I don't get why it's moving the, the Bills' way. The Bills are a good team, of course, but I don't think they're special. I We thought they might be, right? They were a Super Bowl favorites and Josh Allen and – I don't know. We just haven't seen them play at that high of a level in a really long time. Really got lucky to get past the Dolphins. Maybe not lucky, but I mean they were obviously in a a big, you know, a close game against Skylar Thompson at home last week. So I I think that look, the the Bills don't play many teams where the other team's quarterback can match, you know, play for play. Well, the Bengals sure can. Joe Burrow is just as good as Mahomes and Allen. He's on that tier. He's absolutely a superstar. So. I think the Bengals, I, I, I think they cover for sure. I think the Bills win, but like I, I can't see this being more than a field goal either way. I, and the Bengals could easily win. I think we all saw, look, that Monday night yeah. game didn't last long because of, you know, obviously, the DeMar Hamlin situation. But we saw a Bengals team that was confident they're moving the ball. I, I get small sample size, but I don't think the Bengals come into this game thinking that they're underdogs. I, mean, I think, why not? We're, we're going to line up, and we're just as good as you guys, if not better. So really, you know, like the Bengals and the points, I'll tell you that, because, again, I, I can see the Bengals pulling off the straight-up win, and I don't think anybody would even be that surprised over it. Everybody's talking about the Bengals and their offensive line, and they do have some yeah. issues with possibly three starters out, but the Bills don't exactly put a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, and Burrow gets rid of the ball so quickly. Yeah. Is that really that big of an issue? I it is when you. I mean, when you have three starters out, it it, it hurts. It stinks. But for all the reasons you said, I mean, they look the Bengals made a Super Bowl last year with a bad offensive line. They they figured this out before. And I think they're going to figure it out again. And I'll tell you what, the, the Bills probably miss Von Miller in this game. He was their guy. Yeah. He was their, hey, this is our, our our guy could get four sacks in a game if we need him. He's not there anymore. And you're right, they they can get they can get pressure with you know various blitzes and, and stunts and schemes. They don't really got a guy who's just going to go beat the other right. team's offensive lineman and get a sack and be a 10-12 sack guy. I, I don't yeah. know that they really have that guy in their defense. So, yeah, I, I think that. The, the offensive line is an issue, but I, I think the Bengals can figure it out. That leads us to, uh, it's amazing, the, the prime time on a Sunday night, uh, 5.30 Central Time. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are at the San Francisco 49ers. I, I got to tell you, I was a little surprised, and I don't, look, Vegas is far smarter than I am, but San Francisco's only favored by four. They're the hottest team out there in football. Dallas plays against a, a a bad Tampa Bay team and beats them. And they and Dak was terrific and all that. I was surprised the 49ers are only favored by four. What does Vegas know that I don't know? Yeah, and I you know, I thought it was going to be about six, but I was ready to take the Cowboys at six, and I'll take them at four still. I'll tell you what, I I don't know really how it's happened, but Dallas has flown under the radar this year. They're a really, really good football team. And if you take out that first game against the Buccaneers, we're never terrible. I, I'm not going to try to make excuses for them. 
and then you take out the last game against Commanders when really nothing to play for. They were twelve yeah. and three in the rest of the games. I, at thirteen and three, if you count demolishing the Buccaneers last week, I just I, I'm not overreacting that Buccaneers win because the Buccaneers are bad all season long. But yeah. I just think this is a team that's better than people think. Brock Purdy hasn't faced a defense like this. He just hasn't. Like this yep. Cowboys defense is really good, and it can get after you if they can force Purdy into some mistakes, make the play calling really one-dimensional because Kyle doesn't trust you know Brock Purdy against that type of defense. I I just think the Cowboys can win this game. I, I just they're a good football team. They really are. For as much as we talk about San Francisco's talent, Dallas can match them talent-wise. I think maybe a little bit of a step down, but. Maybe that's mitigated by the fact that one side you got Dak Prescott, one side you got Brock Purdy. I, Dak Prescott's a good quarterback. I, I don't. He's not one of those. He's not that Burrow, Allen, Mahomes tier. He's just. But he's really good. I, he's, yeah. yeah. You know, and I, it all comes. He's thrown too many interceptions this year, and that's a look that that could pop itself up in this game too because San Francisco's got a really good defense. But we saw Dak play so well last week, and I think that's Dak Prescott. I think that's who he is. I think he is a really, really good quarterback. And yeah, I'm thinking the Cowboys. I, I just I've liked this team all season, and why you know, why change now? Nothing against 49ers. Like you said, 49ers have been the hottest team in football, probably best team in football right now. But I just think the Cowboys match up really well. They have the ingredients to pull off this upset. And maybe I'm being dumb, doubting Brock Purdy, but uh, man, against this defense and this type of a stage, yeah. I think it's a big challenge for him. I'm curious to see what um, the the defensive coordinator for Dallas um, does because everybody, Quinn, you, know, yeah. you get a rookie quarterback, and what does every defensive coordinator say? Oh, we're going to blitz him. We're going to put pressure on him. And Kyle Shanahan's too good of a coach, and they got right. so many. We- he just dumps it here, dumps it there, dumps it here, gets it out of his hands real quick, and he's been terrific. I wonder how they utilize Micah Parsons. Do they put him man-to-man on Christian McCaffrey and just say, we believe in you, you're such a great athlete, go guard him, and we're going to play everybody man-to-man, and and let's see if Purdy can beat us that way. I don't know. That's that's what's interesting to me. What what does – what's the coordinator's name? It's completely escaped me. Dan Quinn. Yes. Yes. Great coordinator. Um, Great coordinator. I don't think – I think that they – they are confident enough in their front four that they don't need to do a lot of blitzing, a lot of weird, exotic stuff. They're just going to say, mm-hmm. we're going to line up our four, and we're going to get pressure on you, and the back seven are going to take care of Debo and Kittle and Ayuk and McCaffrey. And I, I think they're very confident in their pass rush, and that's where it all flows from for the Cowboys' defense. They, they can get after you, and they don't need to blitz. I, they'll send a few, of course, to shake them up yeah. a little bit maybe and get them for a mistake or something. But I think the whole key to this Cowboys' defense is they're going to get pressure on anybody. And if they can get pressure on the rookie, Look, this like this could be a game where all of a sudden you know you're down ten zip and, and Brock Purdy's throwing an interception and now he's facing a test he's never <laughs> yeah. faced in the NFL and I, exactly. at that point that's going to be the true test of how good is Brock Purdy and I do think he's good it's just he hasn't been in that situation before. All right, so in summary, um, just straight up, you like the Chiefs, you like the Eagles big, you like the. Bills, I'll take close. the Bills. Yeah, but it's uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I wish I had a little more courage and conviction to take the Bengals because I do like them a lot. And you like the Cowboys, all right? Yeah. So, uh, very good, very good. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Um, are you are you done with Aaron Rodgers? I'm done with him. I, I don't want to <laughs> hear am, about yeah. him anymore. I, I'm just to the point of I. I it, I don't want to deal with the whole, like, two months of drama and look at me and this and that, and then he ends up saying Green Bay anyway. 
we dealt with this with Farm. We've dealt with this with Rogers for multiple years now. Just when you when you change teams, then let me know because I don't really I, I don't really care about the the whole drama aspect of this anymore. I yeah. just I think he's going to come back to Green Bay, and I'm not buying into this. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. I'm just not. I, I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. Let, I think he's yes. He's reached that point where it's just like whatever. I uh, just let us know when you have a decision. I'm not going to care about it until right. then. Yeah, I'm not even going to pursue it anymore. Uh, what I would like to pursue, since you live in the Denver area, Denver's one of those teams that has expressed interest in Sean Payton. I'm hearing word that Russell Wilson has reached out and talked to Coach yeah. Payton about coming to Denver. What are you hearing? there i mean everybody wants sean payton and i think he's the leader in a clubhouse dan quinn who we just talked about i think would be their backup choice i think that look this ownership group that saw its fans get angry apathetic eighteen thousand no-shows at a home game late in the year they want to bring these fans back they just bought this team last june or whenever it was and mm-hmm. i think the biggest way to do that is here's sean payton dynamic super bowl winner great seasons with with the saints uh, great years with Drew Brees, which which obviously is a factor, and I think that they're going to blank check it. I think they're going to say, well, well, "How much money do you want, Sean? Because we can pay for it. We don't care." And mm-hmm. I think that it's the either that or Carolina is the best of the openings. But I don't think Carolina really. I don't think the Saints would trade him within the division unless Carolina just overpays. Or it's going to cost one first-round pick for the Broncos, probably going to cost two for the Panthers, just because, whatever, we've got to deal with you twice a year. You've got to pay more. So I think that's going to drop the Carolina Panthers out of it. I think Arizona, I think they're already pretty much out on Sean Payton just because it just, I don't think that's going to work. And Arizona's a bad opening with Kyler Murray's injury. And then the Texans. Yeah. I don't know why Sean Payton's out there saying I would consider the Texans. Texans are bad. Like, why would he come back to that? So, I agree. if Payton wants a coach this year, I think it's with the Broncos. And I think the Broncos want him and can pay for him. And everything to me just lines up with Sean Payton ends up as a Broncos coach. Is, is Russell Wilson salvageable? I don't know. I mean, everybody in Denver, I'll tell you this, that the last two games completely swung people's opinions on Russell Wilson because he played well and he looked like Russ. And everybody after that said, see, it was Hackett. It was all Hackett's fault. Uh, you know, he looked good once Hackett was fired. I don't necessarily buy that. I think that Russ struggled himself a lot. And I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to reconcile all this because we saw Russell just – Played terrible football, terrible. Like, not even, well, he was okay. No, he was bad most of the year. But then, it is true, after Hackett's fired, he comes alive, plays two great games. There's still a lot of talent around him. He is still a Hall of Fame talent, in my mind. Uh, and, and with a good offensive coach, and Sean Payton certainly is that, I think he can at least be good again. He might not be great again ever, but good? Like, in that, you know, I mean, we can win games with this guy if he's making a few plays and not turning it over. Yeah, I think he could be that guy for the Broncos going forward. What uh, uh, what Den- does Denver have a first round pick this year? Yes, for the Bradley Chubb trade, they they traded Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins. Got a first rounder back. I think it's twenty third overall. It might be it might be a one or two off on that, but I think that that it just makes sense. Like, okay, we want a first round pick. You have pick in the twenties here. Let's do it. I, I think that that works out great for the Saints. Like it works out really well for the Broncos. Like, who are you going to draft a 23rd who's going to make a bigger impact for you than Sean Payton? It's just not going to happen. It's a a valuable pick. You're going to get a good player. But if you're asking me, would you rather have this, you know, offensive guard from Texas A&M with the 23rd pick or Sean Payton? I'll be Sean Payton any day in that that trade. (laughs) 
I'm with you. Frank Schwab, you are the greatest. Uh, thank you for joining us yet again. Uh, next week, let's pencil it in because uh, we'll have the final four. So we'll see how you do this week. You're always good. You're always spot on. So uh, good luck. And thank you so much as always. Absolutely, Jordy. I appreciate it. You're the best. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Uh, we'll take our final timeout of the day. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up with a uh, birthday wish to a former tennis star and much, much more. Stay with us. This is the Jordy Helpert Show. We're on the game. That's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back for uh, the finishing touches of this Thursday edition. Thanks to uh, our guest, Al Salas, Talking Saints. Pete Carmichael coming back as the offensive coordinator. I wonder if being one of 11 teams looking for an offensive coordinator this offseason was a reason why the Saints said, you know what? I don't know if we got, I don't know who else is out there. And uh, well, let's just stick with this and, and see how it goes. Saints fans kind of kind of up in arms on that. We shall see. Uh, Adam Spencer, Saturday Down South, SEC Basketball. Um, and Frank Schwab with his uh, picks for the divisional playoff games. Yep. Um, tomorrow, a fun-filled football Friday. We'll have our picks. George Faust will join us. Larry Holder will join us. Um We'll have a whole litany of guests and have some fun, and we'll we'll throw some things against the wall and see what sticks. We'll come up with our final conclusions as to who's going to win these it's, these games. It's the best weekend in the NFL, hands down by far. All right, if today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Um, hope you have a great one with cake, ice cream, a present, and be with your loved ones. Right? Um, you share yours with. A six-time Grand Slam singles title champion. He's 58 years old. The Swede, Stefan Edberg. Dolly Parton. Happy birthday, Dolly. She is 77 years young today. Um, Dollywood and everything. She is uh, remarkable and amazing. So happy birthday to her. What a what a treasure for this country. Um, and Javal McGee. The wayward journeyman um, in the NBA, Javal McGee, is 35 years young today. All right, James Mesh, thank you so much. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can. Healthy is everything. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Life is short. Be happy. We'll talk tomorrow. So long, everybody.